You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Jamila Rizvi is a writer, presenter and commentator. You may know her from the project on Channel 10 or as the former editor-in-chief of Mamma Mia. Previously, she's worked as an advisor to both the Rudd and Gillard governments. And she's also written a book, a brilliant book, I should say, called Not Just Lucky, Why Women Do the Work But Don't Take the Credit. And she's here to talk about it. Hi, Jamila. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Now, I know this is probably a question you get asked a lot, but I am curious because you've had so many um, jobs. Yes. I'm a millennial. You're we, a... <laughs> we, we have 10 careers before yes. we're 30. Yeah. I, was, I, I almost <laughs> wrote something about how many jobs you'd had, and I thought, actually, that's quite normal now. Um, but they're, they're very um, high-profile jobs, you know, in, in politics or in the media. And um, you're still in your 30s. Was we was this book inspired by the women you worked alongside with, or your own experience? A little bit of both, to be honest. Um, yeah, I so I spent the of my two careers so far. Um, <laughs> my I, I spent five years working in politics. I worked for the Rudd government and then the Gillard government, and politics is very much dominated by men. Um, there's sort of there's the diversity of old men and young men, pretty much in politics. <laughs> and then I went and worked in women's media, where we I worked almost exclusively with women. So a lot of this book came out of me kind of making anecdotal comparisons about how the very different ways men and women approach workplaces. But then I went out and did a whole bunch of research, looking at the psychology, the sociology, the gender politics, all sorts of different stuff, and kind of tried to put some data around my experience and try and answer why it was I was seeing these really different approaches to workplaces. Which is really interesting because I think the thing about your book, if I may say, is that it's very, um, even though you do have a lot of um, research to back it up, it does feel very personal. And it's kind of curious to me that these things that you mentioned, I kind of read and went, oh, yeah. And then went, (laughs) yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, do you feel that, um, I mean, it feels like it will apply to a lot of women. Yes, I hope, I certainly hope so. And look, it will, to an extent, it may also help out men. So the book really is about confidence. It's about how to operate in a workplace confidently and understanding that our workplaces are really gendered institutions and that sometimes the lack of confidence women feel has nothing to do with you personally, has nothing to do with a deficiency on your part. It's the fact that the workplace is structured to be for men and it was built by men. Um, and women have come into workplaces, sure, but workplaces haven't actually changed that much. Um, and they still operate in a very masculine way and in a way that advantages the way blokes operate. Um, but I did want it to be personal. So the whole time I was writing it on the wall above my desk, I had a picture of a group of girls sitting around a dinner table all having a glass of wine because that's how I wanted to write this. I wanted to write like I was having a chat with my girlfriends and like I was giving one of my girlfriends a pep talk because one of the things I noticed about women in confidence is we're often really bad at saying we're good at something, but we're really good at saying our friends are good at something. Like if I could do a job interview for one of my mates, I would kill it. I would just go in there and be like, she's amazing. She's done this and this. And do you know she's good at this? And I can, I can sell in the people I believe in, the women around me or men around me. I'm just not very good at selling in myself. Um, so I wanted to have that in mind sort of, running through the book. And that meant a lot of the personal stuff did come out because I think a lot of how we relate to one another and how we comprehend sort of the human experience is by 
talking about ourselves and making ourselves vulnerable. Um, and I didn't want it to be a book of just statistics and sort of faceless people in experiments. I wanted it to be a book about real people. Yeah, it's very personal. And of course, there's lots of um, different elements to the book. And um, But I'm wanting to talk to you as a mum because, of yes. course, you are a mother and you did return to work after having a baby. And for me... Um, Becoming pregnant was a catalyst for me to kind of rediscover feminism. Yeah, right. I would have always thought that I was I had that in my head, but it, it mm-hmm. was the first time I actually felt disadvantaged because yeah. of my gender. And I know sometimes women will say friends of mine who haven't had kids in their forties. Actually, someone posted on International Women's Day. <laughs> Is equality still a thing? And I was like, mm, wow. okay. I mean, do you think, obviously you've been pre-baby and post-baby. Do you think that pregnancy is one of those things that um, sort of catalyzes that feeling in women like, oh, yeah, that's, this is going to make a yeah. huge difference to my career? Absolutely. And you hear that anecdotally all the time, but, you know, your experience is one, mine's another. And But the thing is, this is this happens on a macro level, right? The, the fact that we feel this way that, oh, I feel like I'm being treated a bit differently now I'm pregnant, or I feel like I'm being treated a bit differently now I'm returning to work. That's not just a hunch. That is a reality. Pregnancy discrimination is something that is uh, underreported, but already complained about in huge numbers and is something that employers need to get really serious about. I think it's something like 50% of mothers say that on their return to work, they felt like they were discriminated against in some way when they came back to work. And I'll give you one example that absolutely shatters me. And it's from... um, a piece of research that Annabelle Crabb brought up in The Wife Drat, actually, and I talk about it in my book, Not Just Lucky as well, is that when a man has a baby and then returns to work, it correlates with a pay jump. Men, when they return to work after having a kid, are viewed more positively. It's expected that they're going to work harder. You know, the kind of old cliches, he's got a family to support. He's responsible. He's settled down. My husband is worth more now that he's had a kid. I did the same thing, except I actually had the kid, grew the kid and had the kid. So I, 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 did, it, I did the harder job and I am now less employable. Mm. Um, women are less employable when they return to work after having children. And the most unemployable point in a woman's life is when she has one child under three. And that's because, that's me right now, and that's because employers look at you and go, oh, you're about to have another one. Oh, yes. No, that totally resonates with me. I mean, and another part about, let's say, returning to work. So you've already got that um, sort of entrenched disadvantage that you're going to come into. Yes. But also women can feel, um, especially if they've had six months or longer looking after a baby, mm. that somehow they're they've been lobotomized yes. and it, all yeah. they ha- all they know how to do now is change nappies and make good purees yeah. and stuff I, I mean, never was good at making purees no no no, oh, God. no but you did it <laughs> um, how do you think women can find confidence in that scenario where you know you're so immersed in your baby that mm. you just your identity is as a mother and then you're going back into a workplace that's probably going to view you differently anyway. I think it's so hard to wrap your head around because I'm talking to mums and dads, so you understand this, that there's a new version of you. Like you're not a totally different person, but you are a new person. My husband calls it Jamila 2.0, that I, I, after the baby, I, I was different. And you do have this experience, especially in those early months when you're so sleep deprived, right, where you feel dumber and less capable. I remember saying, I think I've dropped 30 IQ points. (laughs) Because chronic sleep deprivation does that to you. You do feel less 
able and less comfortable. And when you've had this space out of the of the workforce and then you're going back in, you're not going in, you feel like you've got to go in and be the person you were before and you're not that person anymore. So I think part of our confidence has to come from uh, within and an expectation of, I'm going to do this differently now. I am a different person. I do have different priorities and I'm allowed to work differently. Maybe I'm not going to stay late nights anymore. Maybe I'm not going to attend those early morning breakfast functions. Why are the functions always breakfast functions for mums? <laughs> breakfast is not a good time. That is not convenient. Um, so I think part of it is cutting ourselves some slack and going, we're trying to fit a whole other person into my life. It means work is going to be a little bit different, but also workplaces have got to come to the party on this stuff. Workplace Places have such a long way to go in terms of looking after parents who are returning to work. And the reality is, and we all know this, we don't like to say it out loud because it makes us sound up ourselves, but it's true. There is no one more organized than a mum. Yeah. <laughs> there is no one more efficient, right? You mm. can juggle anything and you are just as uh, intelligent and mentally capable as you were before. You're just on a little bit less sleep and you just got to push through. I honestly think it's about maintaining that faith in yourself and knowing that if anything, you are more efficient, you are more organized, you will get things done in a shorter amount of time because you have to. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. We're speaking with Jamila Risby. Her latest book is called, or new book, I should say, is called Not Just Lucky, Why Women Do the Work But Don't Take the Credit. Um, So you're just talking about workplaces and how so many of them aren't family friendly. Do we know how much this inflexibility actually impacts on women and their ability to progress their careers? Because I imagine, uh, well, I know anecdotally of friends who've Mm. gone back into a job they were highly qualified at. They weren't prepared to be flexible. And so they've just said, okay, I need to do something else. And they drop to part-time work or doing something that isn't the same as what they're qualified for. Yep. And we, so there's two things that come into that. The first one is that in Australia, legally, we have the right to request flexible work. We don't have the right to be given it. (laughs) So it's really great. Like it's really important that we have the right to request, but there's no onus or requirement on employers to consider that in a meaningful way and make it happen. They, They can just come back and say no right? So the right to request is like helpful, but we kind of need those laws to go a little bit further. The second one is that we don't, at the moment, the part-time workforce is 75% female. So part-time work is mostly done by women and mostly done by mums. And part-time work we think of in a in a kind of lesser way, right? You can't do the big job because you're not here five days a week. And I think it's about time that we kind of reconsidered that a little bit and said, okay, well, why is it that I can't do a big job in less than five days a week? Why? Because it is the reason you can't is because of the way our workplaces are structured. Well, if our workplaces are are, are structured in such a way that parents aren't accommodated, that's a problem, right? We should be talking about restructuring those workplaces. And it is doable. It is possible. My favorite example is um, of two women I know who job share. They're both mums. Uh, they don't feel like anyone's competing for the other one's job. One works four days. The other one works one. And uh, they have very high-profile jobs. They have important jobs. And they make it work between them. And sometimes they uh, shuffle those days a little bit around, but they mostly have a really contented 
uh, working arrangement. Those women are Carrie Bickmore and Georgie Coughlin who host the project every night on your television. Like, this is seriously high-profile, high-level, highly-paid jobs, and here's two working mums making it work. We don't do enough of, like, looking to that and going, bravo, Channel 10, and come on, everyone else. Come on, every other workplace. It is possible if you think about it a little bit differently. Well, I'm going to have to end on that very positive note because uh, you're going to join us later for a Facebook Live I am, I am. I can't wait. So we've run out of time on the show, but if you want to hear more from Jamila, and let's face it, who doesn't? um, Jump online, head to the Kindling Facebook page. Um, Jamila will actually be asking, answering, sorry, your questions. And as I mentioned, this book is not just about working mums. It's there's a whole lot of stuff for both men and women if you if you need some confidence at work. And she's got some very practical advice. So please join us for that. Jamila, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. That's Jamila Rizvi. She's the author of Not Just Lucky, and we'll pop a link up to um, where you can find the book on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.